Welcome to the Pet Industry Podcast, connecting you with the people behind the passion, the leading experts in the pet industry. Here are your hosts, Steve Cawthron and Dr. Megan Sprinkle. Well, welcome, Jim and Janet Scott. I have been looking forward to being able to meet you and hear your story from from you. I've read about your story and you know, honestly, you're here because someone within BSM also felt very strongly about your story and wanted you to be highlighted in, on our podcast. So you have a lot of big fans in the BSM community. I would love to hear how did Roz get started? Jim's dad started the old mother have a dog biscuit company in the 60s. And we started the wellness pet food company around 98, 99. And we have three children and two of our children, both our sons, had life-changing accidents a year apart, one in 2005, the other in 2006. So we sold wellness to focus on their rehab. One had a spinal cord injury and is a paraplegic, and the other had a traumatic brain injury from a car accident. So we sold the company, rehabbed the boys for years, and... Our youngest son, Andrew, was going to grad school at the time and wanted to be a teacher. We were sitting around his apartment one afternoon, and he told us he wanted to get a puppy. So Jim and I rolled our eyes at each other and said we would get him a service dog. And he said, I don't need a service dog. I can I can take care of myself. I just want a puppy to jump in my lap when I come home from work. And during these years, we always visited pet pet stores, retail stores. And Jim had this idea for a meal-free pet food, which at the time nobody was doing. And I thought he was out of his mind. But that day, Andrew said, you and dad, dad has this idea. Why don't you and dad get back into the business? And give potty profits to people who can't afford service dogs. So we did quite well when we sold wellness and we weren't money motivated. But this was kind of an aha moment for us that we could get back into business and donate more of our profits to the charities that we were already supporting. We jumped back in and started Roz in 2015 and our son Jimmy is challenged with his brain injury. So it was a good opportunity for him to work with us and give him a great reason to wake up in the morning. So just a couple of builds, you know, we've been blessed with a lot of experience cross-functionally in every business discipline from a small business perspective. So when we sold wellness and for the reasons Janet shared, There was something in us that said, let's use that experience and we're continuous improvement people just because we have experience, you know, we don't have all the answers, but to use that experience to give back into a a business that we know well and love because we love entrepreneurs and the small, small business people. And as Janet said, you know, it's almost like you have this experience and the saddest words in life are, I could have, I should have. And we did not allow that. So to try to make a difference, 
we've been blessed with all this ability to do that. And we also saw the value of helping. We look at animals that they're very spiritual. They're not just family pets. They're just what they really bring us and how much they give us and the value. You know, you can't quantify it. You know, we wanted to make incredibly high quality products, not just being marketeers, but truly what does the, the ingredients do to the inside of an animal, not just the outside of an animal and to try to make a difference. Janet mentioned something very personal to us, you know, to give Jimmy a sense of purpose, you know, through his, he has some challenges with his injury. And, you know, he wrote a lot of our website. He's a terrific writer. Yeah, he works for us about 20 hours a week, sometimes a little more. And it's just a wonderful thing to see him with a sense of purpose and engaged. And he's a big time animal lover. So we're excited about it. You know, we do believe in that the compass of trying to make a difference and vis-a-vis the pet specialty business that I shared that we know pretty well. It was something that we just felt compelled to do. So that's the high level reason. I love that story. And I mean, going back to the original old mother Hubbard, what called you in those early years as well? What kind of attracted you to the industry then? Well, that was my mother and father, my dad, Jim Sr. and my mother, Dorothea. And they were, you know, they factory was a small footprint. It was probably 3000 square feet and it was really cool. I mean, I remember I was like six or seven years old and my parents, just incredibly hardworking people, family, faith-based people. And we, I would go into work on a Saturday and they made the dog biscuits in pizza ovens. So they would make the dough, die cut the dough and actually put it in like you'd see a pizza being made. And what you're really seeing there is the American dream. You're seeing entrepreneurs and small business people that just take tremendous risk, want to do something different, work for themselves. And I think that really instilled in me back in the day to be an entrepreneur. And then at the same time, in terms of, you know, what does it take? In terms of the effort, you know, I watched my mother and father, we lived in a four room house, pull out a couch in a living room every night. And that was their bedroom because we didn't have any money, but we had everything in the world, everything in the world, you know, we're blessed with parents that were special and money had nothing to do with it because, you know, health is wealth, right? So I think that instilled that we believe in hard work hopefully spot work. So I think that was a foundation. And you know, the product ideation piece, so just from a high level, the genesis of Wellness, which grew to a really substantial company, but the genesis for the idea was to study how the consumer in this particular case of female bought food for their children, what methodology, what was their share of buying? How were they influenced on how they bought baby food and toddler food? Because uh, this is before the humanization aspect even existed. 
you know, that's, that's a commonplace name now, but it wasn't back then when we came out with wellness. So we studied that, how that consumer buying behaviors towards natural and organic baby and toddler food. And the reason that was interesting is when you listen to people talk about their children, what was important to them nutritionally, amongst other things. And there was a segment of the population that would, that would term their, their pet a child, you know, and, and they would use different language around that. But you'd hear, you know, my baby or my best friend, you know, and, and the pet became truly not just really cool, but a special, special member of the family that was the fabric of the family. So those words, that feeling prompted, well, why don't we do something to come out with a pet food that has amazing quality, defined as a higher meat content when we could source edible human grade materials, but just a whole different approach. And nutritionally, that was focused on the inside of the animal because the outside of the animal, you know, skin and coat, kind of the deliverables about what a good diet should give, but, you know, more thoughtful on uh, the nutritional profile for the life of the animal. And wellness took off, you know, had a tremendous business, had the best team in the business, super, you know, the, the criteria was really, you had to have of course you'd have the business acumen and whatever your discipline was, but you had to be, you had to love animals. And even when the interviewing process to work for wellness, our HI director would say, do you really have to ask that? What if they don't like animals? Well, then they don't have to work here because I really believe, and I'm very serious about this, you know, and I've got this reinforced when our two boys got hurt. All we have is now. And there's something bigger than us. And if you respect that, you can have an amazing life, but all you have is now. So, and that saying, I used to say every day is a gift. And then somebody a lot smarter than me, as the good book says, every breath is a gift. So we look at business and life, our compass in life is to try to make a difference. And we're very, um, super lucky and fortunate to be able to be in this business. And we, uh, donated $500,000 in December to our charities in totality, somewhere around two and a half million dollars. Wow. It's, you know, so that's what motivates us. I like, I like that. What you said there about, uh, we only have now that's a, that's a thing that's been kind of on the forefront of my mind and the, as I get on in my years and I feel like that it's, that's, it's a big deal that, you know, we make the best of what we have right now because it's the only thing that we know that we have and yeah. wasting time, you know, like, oh, I could do this, I could do that. But really, you know, I like what you guys have done. You've taken the opportunity and, and built a whole thing just on the whole notion of giving back. And I think that's pretty awesome. Thank you. And kind of going off of that, you were talking about the amount of money that you've been able to donate from from the brand and the company. So can you say more about the Roz Fund itself? So the Roz Fund right now, well, in the past, we were supporting needs in Princeton, Massachusetts, a service dog provider, national service dogs in Canada, because we do quite a bit of business in Canada as well. Then we also support 
an organization called Northeast Passage, which does a lot of things. But what we love about them is they do adaptive sports for a lot of veterans coming back. And um, we've even seen this ourselves with adaptive sailing, that um, our, which our son has participated in. That it's amazing. You see all these um, wheelchairs and limbs on the dock and out on the water. They all look the same. Um, sorry. We also donate to Crumples, which is a brain injury fund, and Spalding Rehab, which we have um, retrofitted vans before because. Research is great, but we really want to help people get on with their lives. I'll share a story about needs, the service dog group, and we're expanding. We can go through the different causes we've added in December, but you know, this is what gets you up in the morning. This is the fabric of life. This is what it's all about. So needs, the fella that runs needs, his name is Jerry, called me up several years ago and he said, thank you for your donation. I want to share with you a story about how it helps people. So back then, a little girl, 10 years old, she um, was severely challenged with autism. Right. And her father was a doctor in Boston. They, you know, they tried everything to try to help facilitate it. But, you know, it's crazy about life, you know, as she got older, you know, if people don't understand something, sometimes they push it away, which is a bummer. But Needs placed a service dog in this little girl's house. And all of a sudden, she started playing the piano because there was a piano in the house. And she became more interactive, playing the piano for the dog and then you know, the family. And it just, thank goodness, went on from there. So when you really think about that, a dog... You spell dog backwards, right? God. But dog created that situation. (laughs) That's about as spiritual in life as that gets. So, you know, we, we try to think about the power of now every day. We're not perfect, but most days we're, you know, and you have to be conscious of it because you'll forget about it. Like you just, you guys move in your life with so much purpose. I and then the conviction that you speak behind your stories. It's just so beautiful. It makes you want to cry. As I am parent my parents are entrepreneurs and in the beginning stages of their business, it took a lot of time from family. So in the early days, how did you guys juggle running a business as big as wellness or mother hubbard and having a family? In the early days, Jim traveled all the time. I think the teachers at school thought I was a single parent. And I remember our youngest was probably just learning how to walk. And Jim came home from a business trip and said, oh, my God, he's walking. And I said, yeah, he's been doing that for a while. And that kind of was when we started saying, "Okay, well, maybe we can hire someone to help you because this is kind of getting crazy. But no, it's it's a big commitment and big. Big time crunch away from family, right? It was hard in the beginning, but we got through it. But I think, you know, the priority for us was family. And then the business was a close second. I was really fortunate. Janet would remind me often of what the priorities were because you get caught up in the moment. Um, But, you know, we were very family orientated. And, you know, our favorite, some of our favorite memories today is 
when we'd watch the kids play sports, work hard at school, or we were close with their friends. And that was what it meant to us. You know, we, we didn't want to just, did we want to succeed? Yes. But I think that was the most important thing to us is to, to really have the prioritized time with the kids. So we made the best of it that we could. And that requires a huge commitment because you have to work crazy hours to allow yourself to be available for the kids' schedule. But that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen working for ourselves is you can make your own hours. You know, you have to be at one of the kids' games. You are going to be there. Right. And everything else revolves around that. So that's, but you pay a price, which is, so you get up at three o'clock in the morning so you can be home at four o'clock in the afternoon to make sure you see your kids' game. But it's all worth it. And, yeah. you know, we were, and Janet was, she's the hero here. She's the one that kept the whole family together. And she's the one that when the boys got hurt, you know, was steadfast and taking every minute at a time, because it's very overwhelming when you have those uh, kids with those type of injuries. So she's the one that carries the lumber. It's all about surrounding yourself by the, with the right team, right? To make sure that they help you with priorities, but also mm -hmm. to, to support along the way when, especially when challenging things happen like that. Right. Absolutely. You guys are clearly very values driven. And that's, that's a, I, I mean, I, I think that that's probably at the heart of your success. Uh, if it's not the heart of your success is that you, you know, you've built this thing around your values and, and what, what is most important to you. It's not just about, Hey, we could make some money. It's what can we do to make the world a better place? Yeah. I really like that. And you know, when, you know, anybody that has, everybody has their own challenges as we know, but you know, when you have disabilities or some, you know, whatever that is defined as the relationship that we have with our family and children and, and, and our very good friends is very, very special because we understand what it's like not to have things. We understand the effort, you know, our son, Andrew, who's got an L1 injury or a spinal cord injury, the effort he has to put in to do things that we don't even think about. But you have that sense of context in life. And, you know, we the most, they're really the real heroes in life. You know, I'll just tell you a quick story. We went to a sled hockey tournament in, outside of Buffalo, New York. Uh, son played sled hockey and you meet all these it was a national tournament you meet all these families with all different levels of disability neurological physical and you meet the most wonderful people in the world at that hockey tournament they don't complain the common thread when you go there and you leave there is you met wonderful people where their attitude is, we can do this versus it's out of my control or, you know, that they feel fortunate with all their challenges. They feel fortunate because they appreciate what they have versus what they don't have. And that nuance is a game changer. So forgive me, I get very emotional about that because it's actually, I'll be inarticulate, but to to understand what that feels like is a huge motivator for us and, and many others because you actually appreciate what you have. So 
That's the scoop. You guys said that you you donate a hundred percent of your profits, right? Is that is that only to the to service dog related charities, or are there other charities that you donate to as well? So it's a hundred percent less taxes and reserves, so based on the working capital needs of the business. Janet, what should share the uh, charities we have? Basically, Northeast Passage, Spinal Cord Injury, uh, and Service Dog Providers. And this past year, we decided that a huge amount of our business is to cats. And we, I don't know, I think cats have always been like the second-class citizens, right? So (laughs) we decided that we're going to start supporting cat organizations, too. So we added three service dog providers, uh, a service dog provider out in San Rafael, California, that provides service dogs to the blind. Um, Also, another service dog provider in Texas that gets service dogs free to the veterans, as well as one in Oregon that is assistance dogs. It could be for autism or for whatever reason. And then four new cat groups that we we donated to this year as well to try to help the no-kill shelters, basically, throughout the United States and um, trying to get cats adopted rather than euthanized. So we feel happy that we're able to do that. And our sales force is really happy because now mostly all of our sales force has a charity in their own backyard that they can say, hey, we're donating locally too. So it all helps. Well, you actually tucked my next question, which is, I I love how purpose-driven and value-driven you are. How do you incorporate others in your organization into that? So your your associates, how do you get them heavily involved in these charities and, and the mission? Everyone has somebody, it seems like, that they know who may have a spinal cord injury or a brain injury, even on our own team. So I think that everybody can relate to the causes and everybody gets really excited when we hear from the causes. Like some of our causes have made videos showing the people that we've helped and everybody gets really pumped when we see how it really helps. And I think, you know, the pet space from the pet specialty side anyways, you know, it's a really cool space, you know, it's fun most days, not every day, but fun most days. But, you know, when you build a team, we have a phenomenal team. We do. Like it's a small team, phenomenal team. But I think the common thread is sense of purpose. So when you go through life and you're working two thirds of your waking hours, what have you done? What have you really done? And you know, the question that begs the question, were you transactional or were you transformational? Because our team wants to make a difference. They're very passionate. They're animal lovers. They love the space, but they actually want to make a difference. And they like working for a small company. You know, we're very responsive. We've done every single job. So we have empathy on, you know, what those, what that requires, but it's really a team that cares a lot. In fact, we have to remind each other that we can't work on the weekends. It's not like no, no more emails on the weekend, but there's a, you know, there's something important in that reflection, right? Cause we do believe in family first. 
Roz can be a close second, but it'll never be first. And I think we've demonstrated that as a company. If someone has a challenge, you know, everybody just pitches in. But it's a phenomenal team. Great team. Yeah. If I may say, this is a very humbling experience to hear you guys talk. Um, you speak, every, I feel like throughout the entire conversation, there's just so many things that could be quoted from like the power of now versus transaction or transformational like what literature do you guys read or broaden your knowledge with well i read fiction mostly <laughs> because i work all the time so i just want to chill out when i read but murder mysteries jim's more of the business books but i remember my mother saying when i was very young that god gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason so, you know, I'm a continuous Luna learner. I love learning new things. I try hard to listen to a point of view that I may not agree with or that I may not understand. But as I'm listening, I'm not filtering in, oh, in my mind, I don't agree with that. Or why is somebody saying, I don't, I'm not like that. You know, we all have our own conclusions at the end. So it's really life experience more than anything else. And, and I think the love of life, just the fact that, you know, you wake up and, you know, you're just driven because you're so fortunate, period. And I think life gets too complicated. Everything has to be, you know, has some empirical data behind it on why somebody's feeling some way and why we're more just what's real. What are people saying? Even the way we run our business, we get a lot of inputs from a lot of different cross-functional thought partners. Also, you study a lot of things outside of the pet industry. You know, what's the emerging trends? You know, what's the new human behavior motivators out there? So you don't get myopic within pet. So when you balance all of that, I'm not a big reader. I consider if I can find my car in the morning, I consider it a good day. <laughs> you know, my, my mind's usually not on the present. So, but I do like to read business books and, but I candidly, the way the world is today, there's, I, I tune out a lot of things, but I like, I like, you know, the human behavior type topic, leadership, motivation, you know, relationship driven. And really the, the core is purpose, things that kind of relate into connect connectivity between what you're doing and what's the purpose of that. So I'll gravitate towards, you know, articles or readings along those lines. I think the pet industry is such a special place to be, as you've already said. So for people who are also in this industry with us, to maybe give them some words of wisdom when it comes to being a good leader, being very purpose-driven, to really, you know, continue to make this such a special industry. What type of advice would you give to those? I think it's really important for retailers to be very engaged with their customers. You can go into some shops and nobody even says hello to you, and you really especially today with such a big online market for 
people to walk in your storefront, then you really, you really need to know your customer and your customer is the animals. You know, I think from a higher, more directional perspective, I think circling back to what is your purpose? I think having full visibility on what you are really good at and what you're not good at. So you can surround yourself with complementary skill sets. I think those, those things are really important and that you probably the two most important thing, things are attitude, very simplistic, right? But you know, what do you bring for an attitude? So you go into a room and I'm not talking about lighting up a room, but I'm talking about the karma. You'll go into a room. What is your purpose there? What do you really want to accomplish? And how do you engage people in there? So it's really very, very seldom about you. It's about motivating the power of people and leaning in on all of their knowledge and, and their views on things. And if you don't believe in that, don't do it. Because if you don't respect that feeling, don't do it. Because the worst thing you can do is come off as insincere. To me, it's really having a, a deep love and respect for people and their views. And I said, you fully vet that out without prejudging things. But you want to see the team. And I know it's a cliche for a lot of people, but it's not for us. You want to see the team do really well. And if they do really well as a team and the individuals on the team, then you have done well. And that's the ultimate satisfaction. Like I'll just share, you know, we, we had a very good year, uh, 2022 and everybody hit their bonus goals. And when we'll, we think about that, we reflect on the year, it's a very, we're very proud to be able to have those payouts on their bonuses. They, they work tremendous hours. They're, mm. they're incredible people. And it's just, you're very proud to be part of that. So that's the ultimate reward is the success of the team. What were your first jobs? Very first job you ever had? Dishwasher in a restaurant that my friend's family owned. Filling Christmas stockings with dog biscuits in my parents' basement. <laughs> my Very father nice. would come home with a box of dog biscuits and we'd fill them up in these Christmas stockings for the holidays and used to dial scale and I finally smartened up because he didn't pay much money. So I had all my friends come over to help me fill them up and I gave them half the price that my father gave me. So <laughs> little Tom Sawyer. Yeah, action. There you go. Getting <laughs> <laughs> smart about how you did, did things done there. Always work smarter, not harder, right? Yeah. Right. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Good question. Go yeah, that's a great question. You answer first because I have to think about that for a minute. Probably be honest. Attitude. You know, you can't control what people say or do. Um, and you actually can't control how you feel about that, which is always very interesting. But you have absolute control on what you do with that. And I, and I think that's important. Good. That excellent piece of advice there. I might I should just uh, take that one for myself too. We must ask about your own pets. So tell us about your your current pets, names, types, 
So when the boys got hurt, we had a big yellow lab boomer and he was a food thief. He would, he would grab, I can't even tell you how many submarine sandwiches. He would just grab the kids' friends' bags from the bottom and walk off with their sub. But when the boys first got hurt, he would sit next to Andrew and Andrew would have his sandwich in his lap. He would steal all of our sandwiches, but he would never steal Andrew's. And he would sit next to his wheelchair and have the biggest drool puddle sitting next to him. It was amazing. He just respected Andrew and knew he wasn't stealing his food. And then when Jimmy was able to stop walking again, he wanted to take Boomer for a walk. And we were like, oh, my God. And I said, please, will you just don't go in the road because we live on a dirt road. Just walk in the grass, okay? Then if at least you fall, you won't be so bad. And so as Jimmy progressed and got better and better, he moved into an apartment and stole our dog. So they were roommates and it was really good for Jim to have the companionship of, of Boomer. But Boomer passed away and we were always on the road when we started business. So we didn't replace him. But Jimmy does have a dog named Clooney which he named for George Clooney because he thought he would be his wingman because he's so cute. And, <laughs> and then our son, Andrew, has a rescue um, named Tommy and also a golden retriever named Sophie. Mm. So, and we travel still a lot. Yeah. Those, are, those are kids' dogs that affect our dogs. Right. We have dogs a lot. Right. So we had grandpuppies before we had grandchildren. Thank you again, Jim and Janet, for, for sharing your story. This We're so excited to do this podcast and to highlight some of the, the people that we admire and respect. So you are definitely one of them. So thank you so much for your time. Thank Absolutely. you. Well, I would add, you know, the BSM team, you know, I started with Nate. Yes. <laughs> many, many years ago when he was alone and there was just some chemistry there because Nate Early on in the days, just cared about what we were doing. You know, he saw us as a small business. You know, we started Roz from nothing. And, you know, his commitment to wanting us to succeed, you know, he, he just spent a lot of time and frankly, probably more time than he should have. But that's not him, as you know. Then we work day in and day out with. Dave and Corinne and August and Jen and Mary and the other supporting members of BSM and they care. Yeah. We're, we're in a fast paced business and, and they have patience with us, but they actually care about us succeeding in our causes in a very, very personal way. So, you know, we're blessed to have the BSM team as thought partners and we consider friends. Yeah, we are. Well, we appreciate that. We won't uh, We won't let Nate know that we like him so much. We <laughs> <don't sell> <laughs> You've been listening to the Pet Industry Podcast, distributed by BSM Partners, LLC, and produced by Cliff Dubinois. Your podcast team is Whitney Russell, Steve Cothran, and Megan Sprinkle. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Pet Industry Podcast.